Welcome back to the Eater Upsell podcast from the Vox Media Podcast Network. My name is Daniel Janine. I'm an associate producer here. I'm joined by Eater's editor-in-chief, Amanda Clute. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> hey, Amanda. Today is my favorite day of the month. We're doing February's best food stories. Best food stories. Mm-hmm. We got a slate of guests, a slate of stories to talk about. Before we jump into it, if you like what you hear, it'd be awesome if you could rate the show on the podcast platform of your choice and tell some friends that you had a great time listening to this. Or an okay time. <laughs> <laughs> be honest. Yeah. That's all we care about is honesty. Mm-hmm. Okay, Dan, where should we start? Up first. We have our Food TV and Movies news. It's been a huge month for Food TV and Movies, I have to say. Where do we start? Should we start with Peter Rabbit? Let's start, let's start with Peter Rabbit. Let's start with the biggest story. Okay. Amanda, tell me what you know about the Peter Rabbit movie that just came out. I know it's an animated children's movie that became controversial right after its release because there was a plot line around a food allergy and parents found it wildly disrespectful to children with food allergies and they started a boycott campaign on Twitter. Yeah. Boycott Peter Rabbit, very popular Twitter hashtag. Yes, but you actually went to see it alone on a Wednesday night, 1030, yep. Let me give to you the do lowdown. research for the show. Tell me what really happened. Yeah, so anyone who questions my work ethic. Just know that this know that is I what was he's alone at Peter Rabbit. Prioritizing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so, well, actually, quick question about Peter Rabbit. Is it, it is a beloved children's tale, right? Beloved How children, beloved? very beloved. So going into this. Normally, I don't really like these kids' movies. I'm not I'm not charmed. I mean, Up was great. Some of them are great. But I do not really like watching kids' movies that much. So I expected to totally hate this movie. Cold-hearted, Dan. Yep. And I expected to be – I expected to, like, be annoyed at the allergy scenes because I expected there to be some great internet overreaction about these allergy scenes. It's you assume these parents, parents were just being whining. ridiculous. Yeah. So ridiculous. Boycott a movie about some allergy stuff. Oh, boy, was I wrong. Two reasons. The movie is really funny. It's great. actually a great movie. Can't wait to see it. Okay. You're never going to see it, I don't think. I have a kid. Maybe when oh, it yeah, comes yeah. out on, I don't know, whatever. Two, these ridiculous reactions online, this boycotting all these articles about these, you know, asthma associations, Allergy Foundation of America writing letters to the film. They're justified. Justified. This, yeah, these, al- these allergy shit. The parents are movie, right. They're right. Is evil. Let me. I'll tell you about it really quickly. Yep. First scene that happens is uh, Peter Rabbit is in love with this this human character. Mm-hmm. He wants her to be his mom. Uh, and then there's another another love interest, and this guy is talking to the woman that Peter Rabbit loves, saying, blah, 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 and I'm allergic to blackberries. This is a human? Yeah, human Who's talking. Allergic? Okay. Two humans talking, and mm-hmm. Peter Rabbit is watching through a window. Peter Rabbit is jealous. Peter Rabbit is jealous, and, he, and the guy goes, I'm allergic to blackberries, and Peter Rabbit says, Oh, come on. Rude. Blackberries, this guy? I should have I should have guessed Who it. Who plays Peter Rabbit? I can't remember. Okay, I can't it's remember. fine. No, don't look it up. Okay, I won't look it up. I felt that it was really insensitive. I, I felt like, so, all right, nobody like chooses oh, okay. their allergies, mm-hmm. yeah. you know? Yeah, I guess today we have gluten intolerances yeah. and we have a lot of things that people get yeah. all up in arms about. But a blackberry a allergy, this sounds... blackberry allergy? Yeah. yeah. S- serious. It's okay. real stuff. Okay. That happens. Then... Peter Rabbit engages with this guy in a fight. They're fighting over this plot of land. And it's rabbits and animals versus this one human. And the guy's kind of a bumbling idiot, but he's not pure evil. So they get in this fight, and eventually one of the rabbits launches a blackberry into this guy's mouth. And there's a lot of— With the intention of killing him. With the intention of killing him. Wow. Luckily, 
Domwell Gleason's character, the bad, the kind of bad guy who has an EpiPen, he's falling to the ground. He's like gasping, mm-hmm. pulls out his EpiPen, stabs himself, and like passes out, saves himself with the EpiPen. And they all the rabbits think he's dead, and they're all cheering. If I'm a kid in a playground, I'm thinking, how do I win? Find someone's allergy Poison and exploit them. it. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. So the parents are right, and they're all tweeting pictures of their children when they're having allergic reactions to show just how bad they can be and how yeah, this serious is what allergies really happens. are. Yeah. So very funny filmmakers, but ridiculous that they would let this pass. Also ridiculous. Like I can't imagine the amount of eyeballs this movie crossed. This is a Sony movie. For, and I, I'm I'm not the most sensitive person in the world, but for, for right, me you were going in ready to roll your eyes. Ready to roll thing. my eyes. Yeah. Uh, Sony issued a statement saying. Food allergies are a serious issue. Our film should not have made light of Peter Rabbit's arch nemesis, Mr. McGregor, being allergic to blackberries, even in a cartoonish and slapstick way. And I would say they shouldn't (laughs) – even the the way they say this, made light of Peter Rabbit's arch nemesis. Like they're using movie (laughs) language. They should have said we should not have made light of allergies. We We were wrong. We created a character with an allergy and then made fun of it. So we could shoot a blackberry down his throat with a slingshot. It was a bad narrative device. Terrible. Anyway, so the parents are right, but Rabbit's not a bad movie. (laughs) (laughs) If you don't have a kid with allergies, maybe you could see it. What is next? Oh, Queer Eye. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy is back. Oh, no. Dan, have you been watching? I have. I've seen most of it. You told me recently Mm -hmm. that you think Antony is kind of a hack. You slacked me saying Antony is a hack. He can't hold a knife. And then in the following weeks... Mm -hmm think pieces have been coming out all over the internet (laughs) or quote-unquote investigations from gay sites Mm. looking into if this hot model can actually cook. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, you were on to something. Second of all, I don't know if I care (laughs) if he can't cook. He's very attractive. He's he's one of the better-looking people. Yeah. So there's two questions here. Can he cook? The answer to that question is Probably not. (laughs) 100% 100% no. Either he can't cook or they've done a horrible job of presenting him as someone who I have can to cook. say, I watched all the food sequences last night in research for this Great. show. See, we all put in our work. And you're right. He makes grilled cheese sandwiches. He does a lot of, like, canapé work. Yeah. Uh, the avocado grapefruit salad was the centerpiece of one episode. It's, it's not a lot of life-changing cooking lessons going on here. And the shopping skills aren't that helpful either. The shopping, okay, all right. So I, I have, I, I like see this like, two ways. Like he's like, this is how to pick out an avocado. Like, thanks. So I think that the majority of the people that watch this show are like media snobs like us. No, really? I don't know. I think so. I think that uh, we just accept picking an avocado as something that like, you know, we were taught 10 years ago when avocados became hot. No, no, it's not that it's not an important skill, but like of all the things you need to, if you're giving someone a full makeover and they're living like mm-hmm. complete slobs, like maybe... Choosing the ripe avocado isn't the first step. It's so funny. We came into this, and we're on different sides. Now. I'm totally <laughs> I know, defending him. No, see, no, I, I think do, I, the knife-holding thing especially, he has really bad knife technique <laughs> and, like, really bad. He holds the knife, like, f- way at the end of the butt. Right. Like it's a sword. Anyone that's watched a cooking show uh, would know that that was— He does have some kind of culinary training, though, right? Not I don't know. N- unclear. I don't know. Another point is, is this is about— entertaining this is not about cooking is he a good entertainer right he i think i would say yes yeah he's he's showing you how to have someone over which is what the goal of every show is it's like okay we're gonna at the end of the episode have a wedding reception or have a big party with all your friends you could put together a cheese plate because i taught you how to do that 
like, great. Or like you're going to make a slightly gourmet grilled cheese platter mm-hmm. for your friends. What about putting peas in the mac and cheese and, <laughs> and cream in the guacamole? I just think yeah, like, maybe, if you're gonna... maybe don't do that. Yeah, at all. Uh, and, and what is it, chocolate in the chili? And chocolate in the chili. Yeah. Make your mark elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And what do you think of him as a character on the show? I think he's great. You do? Yeah, I love Because he has him. a calming energy compared to everyone else. He does. To wrap up, <laughs> it seems like we're very conflicted about Antony. We yeah. respect that he is good looking and can relate to these men. and that's, he's Which is the of, most important thing. And he's kind of trying to teach them how to entertain a little bit. We wish he knew how to cook and could teach them better life skills. Like mm-hmm. cooking for the long term, not just for, you know, people coming over for brunch. Next up, Ugly Delicious. Ugly Delicious. So the biggest show to launch on Netflix this month is Ugly Delicious, mm-hmm. the show from superstar chef David Chang and Peter Meehan, the former editor of Lucky Peach. What do you think? I think it's great. I think it it's ambitious and sloppy in a good way. Each episode focuses on a different food stuff, mm-hmm. and that's the general idea. So pizza, tacos, fried rice. Uh, and they kind of have a lot of mini segments that flow into one another and they travel all over the world. Their um, famous band of chef friends are <laughs> always involved. Mm-hmm. And it, it explores some important issues. Our coworker Serena was in one episode that I really love called Fried Rice where they mostly just talked about racism the whole time. Yeah. Racism was... against Asians specifically. And so to get a little more about the show. We decided to call up Dave Chang. So congrats on the show. How's it been going so far? <laughs> I... It's a little bit crazy that it even got launched on Friday, but um, it's good. It's it's just very surreal is the word I've been saying that feel Laura watching it finally. Does it feel surreal because you worked on it so long ago and now it's all of a sudden out all at once? Well, I think we stopped filming around April or May of last year. Mm-hmm. So they've been editing it for a while. But, um, you know, anytime you have anything out there for public consumption, I think it just makes it strange and weird. Um and the fact that it's like done and, um, you know, it's, it's a bit terrifying and nerve wracking, but I think that I'm really proud about what we did. It's, it's a, it's an imperfect vehicle, but I think we, we did our best. What's it like reading criticism for a TV show that you've helped create uh, versus criticism for restaurants? They're both, I mean, they're both really hard. <laughs> um, criticism <laughs> for a restaurant is very difficult because you put your heart into it in a way that I think, uh, many people don't understand, and, and, you, and you, you you never want to get criticized. You really want everyone to appreciate it. And for this one, uh, the criticism is sort of the same. Like you want everyone to appreciate it, but you know that it's going to be flawed, and you're not going to make everyone happy. And and I honestly, I think the restaurant criticism has helped me better understand and appreciate the perspectives of the criticism. I don't know if I didn't go to the, 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 the crucible that is restaurant criticism, if I'd be able to handle this as well. Yeah, I guess you're trained for this. So when all the reviews come out, it's, it's funny, though, that all of the, the entire season comes out at once. So everybody consumes this thing you've been working on for so long, just over a weekend. It's really weird. <laughs> and now people have been like, oh, we want more. I'm like, man, that took so much time. I, I, I <laughs> it was a lot of work. Well, that's what I was I was going to ask if there's a season two, but it's like this took you over a year to do the first one. Yeah, it was like six months of filming on and off in between various schedules, uh, not just mine. Like coordinating with other people is really hard, right? And and then um, just the travel. And, and this isn't my full-time job, right? My full-time job is working in restaurants. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I don't know. Like, of, of course, I, I think it would be great to have season two because there's so many stories that we didn't get to um, talk about. And when you do something like this, you obviously don't think that there's, you don't think there's going to be a season two or anything. You just want to get your best. And we only had eight episodes. So I think that if we're lucky enough to, to have another opportunity, we're, we're going to talk about more stories for sure. Are there any food items that come to mind that you would want to focus episodes around next? Um, there's so many cuisines. I, I think one of the, there are two criticisms. One was, um, or three, one is Dave, you're a jerk. You're an asshole. <laughs> which is always interesting to read. Um, two, um, we didn't cover enough topics, right? Like, what about Indian food, Native American food, um, you know, barbecue in Brazil, barbecue in Argentina. Like, the list goes on and on. And, and I think the way the show was constructed, we weren't trying to be like, this is the best of everything. We were really just trying to tell a few stories and understanding that was going to be incomplete. And, um, you know, I, I want to be able to, I want everyone to know it's like, it's not because we didn't like want to, we just sort of ran out of time. Um, and, and that's really hard, right? Like I, I you know, uh, someone was wrote, wrote on Twitter. It's like, Hey, like how, how, how could you do this? And, and you could tell like the, the time they put into the, the criticism was like, and I, I I felt so bad, you know, and I was like, hey, listen, it's like, I'm not trying to prioritize any story. We're not. It's just we want to get to them all. And it's just really hard to. And I think the third one that was written about, and I think it's probably the most prevalent criticism, was what the belief was, the lack of female representation. And, and I know that it's imperfect, mm-hmm. but we really tried our best. And obviously, the best wasn't good enough. Um, but for some things, it just was really hard to, to schedule or there's no defense, but like, I know that we weren't trying to, to tell a story other than like to tell as many things as, as possible and be as, be as good about it as possible. But that wasn't our goal was to, to anger people and, and uh, to be as inclusive as possible. And, um, you know, I, I really wish that was people didn't feel that way, but if they feel that way, it's something we got to get better at. And I think it's, uh, there's just no other way to talk about it. You know, we got to get better at it. So there's some scenes that uh, that show you being genuinely frustrated. I think people have written that it there are scenes that don't seem like they were intentional. Did you know that some of those off-camera style moments were going to make it in? No, I, I really wanted this, I think, from the get-go, too. And I've said the get-go too many times, but <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, we wanted it to be as honest and transparent as possible. Warts and all. Yeah, I think it made it human. I liked it. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the one thing that I wish got edited out, but in retrospect, I'm really glad that it didn't, was me spitting out the the, the dry deer tendon. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I was so embarrassed about that. And there was it was a dilemma. There was two options. I could maybe spit it out or worst scenario would be to almost like vomit because like throw up. It, was, it was just so foreign to me and I pride myself in being able to eat a lot of different things, but I was just way out of my comfort zone and the chef's right there in front of me. And I just, I remember seeing the first cut at that and being really not feeling great about that because I don't want it to be representative of Chinese culture. I don't want to be representative at all, like other than the best possible thing. But it's also like, I think being humiliated is good because it's not, it's not like a, I can eat anything either. Right. But, uh, I think when it was tied into the larger narrative that like, um, 
even people that are in this profession need to be reminded about what it's like to be presented with some a new new experience, right? And um, you know, I think another image was when David Simon basically tells me that like I'm an idiot for saying that people can't make kimchi if they're not Korean. In retrospect, that was a, such a stupid comment, but I'm glad they kept it in there too because uh, I was really thinking about that without going through this and without it being there, it's a reminder of like growth, quite frankly. And, and I'm really happy that it was in there because now I think about it in a way that uh, I didn't before where it's like, if someone wants to make kimchi, great. Like I should not judge them as much as I want to. I need to like not do that because the only way they're right. going to learn about it is by going down the rabbit hole themselves. And I can't force feed them. And if anything, I should be encouraging. And, and it's for my own edification, right? Some of this stuff. It's funny because if you guys do a second season, you're going to have these honest reactions while you're shooting and then be like, oh, shit, that was dumb. Oh, is that going to make the cut? Uh, it's good. It's Honest Dave. Well, no, I mean, like, the thing is, like, almost everything got put in there. I don't, I don't think anything got edited out that wasn't, like, a real thing. You know what I mean? Like, everything was real. And that's the good thing about what Morgan wanted to do. And Eddie uh, and Katrin, the whole team there was, oftentimes we would go into a situation and they would purposely not give me any information, right? Um, because they want an honest take. And that's really what happened. Oftentimes I would know, but like I would do myself a favor and try not to Google anything, try not to read everything and, and, and go in there with an open mind. And it wasn't just me. I think that we wanted this for everyone in, in terms of how they film make, they are, they really want to get an honest reaction in everything that we do. So um, I was really grateful that they were able to do that. And sometimes it can be really frustrating, um, but like all that happened. Yeah, and I think it led to more honest conversations and, and more honest storytelling, too. Yeah. So you have an event coming up with uh, with our very own Serena Die next week. Very lucky that this is happening with Morgan, and, and we asked Serena uh, to join us, and we're honored that she could participate because I, I just knew that we wanted to have her for that fried rice episode, and if there's another season, maybe more episodes. But um, I don't even know what we're going to talk about. <laughs> but but uh, I'm a little nervous. Well, New Yorkers should come. It's at the 92nd Street Y on March 6th. And um, everybody else not in New York, watch Ugly Delicious. It is now on Netflix. Every single episode is mm-hmm. live. Uh, and here's hoping another season will, you know, get greenlit soon. I really appreciate you guys um, uh, enjoying it. And if anyone that's watching, it, thank you for the support. Hiring? Every business needs great people and a better way to find them. Something better than posting your job online and just praying for the right people to see it. ZipRecruiter knew there was a smarter way, so they built a platform that finds the right job candidates for you. ZipRecruiter learns what you're looking for, identifies people with the right experience, and invites them to apply to your job. These invitations have revolutionized how you find your next hire. In fact, 80% of employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site in just one day. And ZipRecruiter doesn't stop there. They, nope. they even spotlight the strongest applications you receive so you never miss a great match. The right candidates are out there. ZipRecruiter is how you find them. Right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free. That is right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. That is ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. ZipRecruiter.com slash eat. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Sure is. Dan. Next I, up. Dan. Dan. Hit me. Daniel. I have a story I want to talk to you about. Yep. 
Avocadoria, this avocado restaurant in Sunset Park, Brooklyn, that opened in April and was an immediate hit, ran out of avocados like immediately. <laughs> the guy who owns it already has a six-figure book deal, went on Shark Tank to try to convince the sharks to invest money in his avocado restaurant and his plans to expand it across the country. Ciao, sharks. My name is Alessandro, and I'm the co-founder of Avocaderia. I'm seeking $300,000 in exchange for 10% of my company. Wow. Uh, super silly, because he doesn't have the lock on the avocado market. Like, I don't think, I mean, you... Wait, so you, I've seen this episode You've seen the episode. Tank. I have not seen the episode of Shark Tank, so I want you to tell me if I'm wrong in that I think it's not a great investment yeah. to give him $200,000 for, uh, what is it, 10% stake? So uh, Mark Cuban and Barbara Corcoran each put in $200,000 for 10% each. Each. Yeah. Valuing this restaurant group at $2 million. $2 million. And right now they have one location, opening another one, and this guy has a book deal, which I don't think they'd buy into. Yeah. I mean, Shark Tank is a rabbit hole. I think you can really get into Shark Tank and watch too much. I haven't been watching recently, so I'm not going to appraise this deal. Uh-huh. But I will say this guy has put in... $70,000. They, they opened their first restaurant for $70,000. Mm-hmm. And the one thing that the sharks were the sharks were salivating over uh-huh. was that they've been doing $70,000 a month or something like that in sales, which is crazy, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, for a tiny restaurant that they made for, for $70,000. Here's why this is a terrible investment. Okay. Because what the sharks don't know and that we do know is that this place, Avocadoria, caught Instagram fire. Yep. So this place had lines around the block. No shit they did 70K in a month over a couple months because it was the hottest thing on Instagram. Everyone was lining up to get an avocado (laughs) burger, which is a single avocado sliced in half with a sheet of smoked salmon inside it. Ew. (laughs) Ew. No, no. And so so I was actually there recently. I was around it. And and it's still – it's still – it's tapering down. Uh But it's still like you still get crowds of people buying things, setting up their trays, and doing elaborate photo shoots, meaning it's still still got that Instagram buzz. You think it's a flash in the pan, though. It's such a flash in the pan. There's so many places to get avocado toast that are just as pretty. Yeah. You and I could go open an avocado restaurant tomorrow. Yep. No, no, and, and, and back in the language of the tank. Uh, nothing they're doing is proprietary. They, right. haven't, they haven't invented anything. The, I will say the guy is very, he's an Italian guy who owns it, co-owner. He's very charming. He, so you think you just charm them, turn on the charm? Yeah, and listen, I, you know, for, for Does Mark, he have other restaurant experience? Are they like, well, no, we're not investing banker. in the idea, we're investing in you as this amazing restaurant operator? Yeah, so they liked that he was a banker and then he was a consultant and then he came to America and he was upset that there weren't enough healthy food options around his workplace. Growing up in Italy, as you might have guessed, I always had access to healthy and fresh food. When I moved to the U.S., I realized that, uh, you know, people were becoming more and more aware about what they were eating and healthy food was not just an option, it was a priority for them. Unfortunately, the alternatives were pretty bland. I kept running into the same few options of the so-called healthy but flavorless meals so one day, I decided to make myself one of those famous avocado toasts, and man, it was <laughs> delicioso. So what really got me wants to, he wants to see save America. Me rolling my eyes, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> right, and also he wants to save America from our unhealthy food with avocados. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Oh my god, with avocados. But no, no, avocado toast is also is a dumb healthy thing. Yeah, it's not. That healthy. Right. Well, because I had avocado toast for breakfast today. It wasn't a healthy choice. No. It's bread with this fatty 
vegetable yeah. slash fruit? Is it a fruit? It's a fruit. Okay. Well, because you, you know, if we were going to fall down the health rabbit hole, avocado is part of is part of the the healthy fats movement, mm-hmm. and bread is part of the old low fat movement. So combining them is is not. Is you're not bread really... part of a low fat movement? Well, bread is I not bread healthy. has always been villainized. Bread has always been villainized. Yeah. Okay. I mean, people used to eat like Melba toast and stuff. Yeah, yeah. You need to put like. It on a rice cracker or something. All I'm saying is there is no good health conscious uh, philosophy that would allow an avocado toast. That it would be avocado centric. No. no, no, it's very. I guess. I mean, the... they're delicious. I love them. Right, but it's not like a health. And they're not bad for you. No, I no, guess. they're not. They're not the worst thing in the world for you. But you don't want to exclusively eat that every right. day. Absolutely not. So anyway, this is a is a terrible investment. So I think Mark Cuban, Mark Cuban. He always says, like, oh, I'm going to put it in my in, in the stadium, in his stadium. He's going to serve the avocado Ria maybe. And, uh. and yeah. <laughs> but, you know, like with something that is as trendy as this, what if uh, – we said this. Like what if something happens to avocados? Two things could happen to avocados. One – The price goes up. Price goes up like crazy. Which it does all the time. Right? It fluctuates like crazy. Yeah. Two, what if avocados go out the door health-wise? Like what if they're no longer in? Uh, well, I'm not so worried about that because they're so delicious. Like, right. guacamole's been popular forever. Sure. But the price thing is real. You don't fear the downfall of I avocado. I don't fear the downfall of the avocado or its Instagram. What about mad cow disease for avocados? Yeah, if something happens, I mean, Alfalfa sprouts. global warming is real. All of our farming practices, as we learn from Dan Barber, changing all the time. Yep. So, who knows? Anyway, terrible investment. But maybe they knew they would get some fun press for it. Yeah, that's a, and and who knows about these f- Shark Tank deals? Yeah, yeah, they're like, oh, you know what? People love writing about stupid avocado stuff. Like, yeah. it'll get picked up on Eater, and they'll talk about it on the upsell, and then we've just <laughs> played played right into their hands. Daniel. Anyway, uh, if you if you have another, if you have a, a dumb restaurant that serves one thing, and bring it to the sharks. Bring it to the sharks. Yeah. Next up, Olive Garden is serving Italian pasta nachos. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> Dan, have you seen the pictures of these things? Yeah. Would you eat them? I would try it for sure. <laughs> I have here originally reported by Food Beast. Hey, this is this is real this journalism. is real. Don't the new dish is officially known as loaded pasta chips. Loaded pasta chips. Loaded pasta chips. Loaded pasta chips. And it's comprised of fried lasagna pieces topped with mozzarella and Parmesan cheese, meat sauce containing chicken, meatballs, and sausage, cherry peppers, and Alfredo sauce. Is this just pure desperation? Is there anything? Can you can you defend these pasta nachos at all? I will say fried lasagna pieces sound pretty good. Down with that. I don't I don't see why you think they need defending. It's the Olive Garden. They're not no, like the but... bastion for authenticity. Their whole shtick is to do ridiculous stuff. What other ridiculous stuff do they do? No, it's supposed. I don't know. I... The never-ending pasta bowl is like a total gimmick. Pasta pass. You've heard of the pasta no, pass, it's right? No, pasta pass. The pasta pass is this pass, this coveted <laughs> pass you can get where you have unlimited pasta for a year. Yeah, but even that's not. This is and like, people like it's it's hard to get one, and people obsess over it. And then when they get it, they go every single day. I don't know. I see it's, this. It's marketing. I see this as 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 like a play for silly Facebook videos and viral attention. I don't. I think that. I mean, all of it is. Yeah, I, I guess we've pasta. had this discussion about how all viral marketing is just marketing. When you um, when you're here, yeah, your family. Would, this is I they're would, still um, trying to create a nice Italian feeling restaurant. They want a nice ambiance. They want parents involved. This mm-hmm. is like something you'd get at like Buffalo Joe's or. 
My dad would totally order this for our family. I would order it. Yeah. I'm just saying, like, family. It's not just, like, for drunk bros. It reads Like, it I would get this for me. the table. Really? Yeah. I want to try it. Like, I, I'm looking at it right now. I really, I would eat it. <laughs> I have no, I have 0% problem with Olive Garden's nachos. <laughs> they're not on, even, on they're the not, record. in fairness, they're also not calling them nachos. They're calling them pasta chips. <laughs> okay, so in my <laughs> they opinion. They should just call them nachos. In my opinion, of the things you've listed, this is the biggest sellout that I have heard them do up to this far. Olive Garden? Yeah. Sure, I guess. But really like, sure. I think they're trying to compete with the other cool chains like Taco Bell. You know, Taco Bell's coming out with something stupid every day, and they're like, wait a minute, we could do that. Okay, we but do I, think, stuff. I think if, if we had their marketing directors and their culinary directors in studio and we said, mm-hmm. are you trying to compete with Taco Bell? They'd say, Taco Bell is not in our league. We are a different It's a different kind genre, of yeah. but I bet the marketing people would say, like, yeah, they do a good job in the chain food space or whatever language they would use to say that. They also have a meatball pizza bowl. <laughs> <laughs> What is that? <laughs> this is sad. Uh, Olive Garden is, I mean, we've written it's about it. It's a big it. pile of meatballs on top of a pizza dough baked in the shape of a bowl. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't look as good as the, as the <laughs> pasta nachos. In the shape of a bowl. <laughs> this is, these are stunts. Okay. This of is my issue. Stunts. Yeah, but these are pure stunts. In my opinion, Olive Garden, uh, fancies itself a non-stunt restaurant. I think it's fun when Taco Bell does stunts. You should look at the Pasta Pass coverage. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. But Pasta Pass is still like, oh, you can be in different cities and we can warm you up and we can care for you with a limitless bowl of pasta. This is like big pasta nachos. You get all fusion-y. I don't know. Olive Garden's never-ending Pasta Pass sold out in one second last year. (laughs) 22,000 people. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to we're going to we're not going to agree on this one. Uh, next up, Robert Seitzman is here to talk about this Szechuan sauce phenomenon. So, in 1998, uh, McDonald's released a special sauce called the Szechuan sauce in uh, timed at the, with the release of the Mulan movie as a promotional thing. Which was a kind of proto-feminist uh, kind of gender-bending cartoon for its day. Oh, great. So we're, yeah. we're pro-Mulan. We are. I've never seen it, but I'm pro-Mulan based on the Wikipedia article. Then the sauce, as far as uh, pop culture is concerned, the sauce laid dormant until... 2017? Well, nobody was interested. Yeah, yeah. 2017 did you in hear April. About it? Yeah. Um, when, it, when, it, when it first came out, did you know of it or you didn't? Oh, God, no. No, no I, was, uh, I was anti, anti-Disney and anti-McDonald's back then, as I still am. <laughs> so in 2017, a very popular show, Rick and Morty, mentioned it on an episode, and they have a rabid active fan base. Right. So McDonald's noticed and sent Dan Harmon, who was the creator of the show, a, a big box of Szechuan sauce, and it and it spiked this whole online craze. It was actually a bottle. A bottle? Yeah, it wasn't even in the little packages. It was a bottle that had, like, XXX written on it and, you know, oh. and, uh, a very grimy-looking bottle. So then McDonald's released it for about a week, I think, in What the they store. did was that they uh, sent it to a limited number of locales, uh, the whole idea being to make it really exclusive. Really exclusive. Which was, like, really stupid. 
And then there were riots, people who didn't get it, and it was selling online for like – Don't know the extent of the riots or if anyone was actually (laughs) killed to get the sauce. But yeah, people lined up and they wanted the sauce and they couldn't get it. So they got really – And then you said in quite a stupid move, McDonald's just mass released it. Depending on who you believe, there are reports that people bid for an entire bottle of the sauce, which had been sitting in a derelict car, something like – Hundreds of thousands of dollars, although we have verified accounts of people on eBay offering it and buying it for $995 per pack. I have a pack here right, right with me. So this <laughs> this would have been before Monday worth $995 and now it's worth less than the amount of energy it takes to pick it up. <laughs> so as you do, you went to uh, – you stopped in at a McDonald's too. Oh, yeah. I do this all the time. I, I must be nuts. But, you know – I want to go where the crowds are, where people are excited about food and they're like doing crazy stuff. So I went to the McDonald's at the stated time of 11 a.m. when they said they were going to distribute it. They were going to – they said mea culpa. They said, we, we fucked up. We should have really released this thing because we know everyone loves it. We love it so much and everyone loves it. So, so they contrived to, uh, to distribute 20 million doses of this stuff to <laughs> – Every McDonald's that they could find, and they right. couldn't find all of them. But you know, there because there were people complaining that they couldn't get it. But at my McDonald's in New York, mm-hmm. they had it, and uh, and I went up to the counter to begin with. The guy at the counter had never heard of it. No way. And he called over the manager, and the manager kind of smirked. And then uh, the guy that I finally ordered it from, who was his teenager, he said, "Well, you, you know, when I asked for five orders of McNuggets." and five packets mm-hmm. of the Szechuan sauce. We'll talk uh, about the spelling. Well, the spelling, it's like archaic. Yeah. It, it comes from the days when Szechuan was first being introduced in the United States, and they used the Giles, whatever it's called, transliteration system. And it's spelled S-Z-E-C-H-U-A-N, which is unpronounceable. Like, you're a native speaker of English. How do you pronounce S-Z? It sounds kind of French and something else. So, so McDonald's is desperate. Yeah, and, and they want to they make uh, Shinola out of this shit. Yeah. When Szechuan food first started hitting the United States in the 1970s, uh, it was a very pallid version of Szechuan mm. uh, based on uh, kind of like thick sweet sauces with a little bit of spice. This still wasn't – didn't even meet that criterion. I mean the first thing that happened now that they have – we have Szechuan restaurants everywhere and people that are foodies, people that love to eat, they consider Szechuan to be synonymous with burn your ass off. Right. You know, and so uh, so the idea that they come out with this Szechuan sauce that has no heat at all, none whatsoever, not even some black pepper, is just like so clueless. Is it the original recipe? It's the same exact recipe they, they claim in. it is, yeah. but they could have easily paid played fast and loose. I mean, if there well, was, it was probably some... uh, real sugar back then, and now it's corn syrup. Well, it actually claims that it's real sugar. Oh, great. So, but I don't know whether to believe this or not. I mean, these could be packets <laughs> left over, but I'm going to actually open this yeah. right now and force you to taste it. Okay. okay. Um, I think you called it. <laughs> I'm trying to get the, the pl- there's a little, there's foil on the top and there's plastic on the bottom, making right. it very difficult to recycle. And now I'm going to pour it all right. Ugh. This it just, is. It looks like. So give it a give right, it a here try go. here. Stick your finger in there. Uh, I must. I should m- mention it looks like a, like thin jelly. It looks like 
a contraceptive or perhaps, do you know how when your nose starts bleeding and you pinch the top of your nose and it stops bleeding and then still the snot comes out and it's kind of like pinkish, reddish? Well, that's the color. All right, here we go. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate it and I, I, don't, I can't tell you another McDonald's sauce that tastes in, in, in the ballpark. It, it tastes like a, like a soy ginger, like a soy ginger So you blaze. think there is something, quote, exotic about it perhaps ah, or something no. that even Chinese or even perhaps slightly Szechuan. You don't think it tastes even it, vaguely Asian? To me, I am, I am a Szechuan fanatic. Well, yeah. So, um, so eating this, it's just like, well, I'm just eating grape jelly. I'm not, you right. know. The, so it sucks. In your, it, well, it's beyond suckage. <laughs> I mean, here they had a chance to do something that had some power and majesty and strength. Like, why not? be the chain that introduces America, mm-hmm. aside from a few aficionados, to the Szechuan peppercorn. So McDonald's screwed up every part of this thing. They did, yes. All right. Well, thanks, Robert. Unless you want to use it for glue on an envelope or something, then it's perfect. That's it for the best food stories of February. Thank you so much to David Chang, Robert Sietzma. If you liked the episode, it'd be fantastic if you could rate it on the platform you use and subscribe to it. And maybe shoot us an email at upsellateater.com with comments, questions, criticism. The Upsell is hosted by me, Daniel Janine, and Amanda Clute. Our studio team is Carrie Clements, Paige Bethman, Miles Ewell, and the executive producer of the whole thing is Maureen Genone Fitzgerald. 